Good morning and welcome to Always Wonderful World. Each week we'll visit a different country across the world to discover different culture and discuss what makes these countries unique and interesting. I'm your host Jane McIntosh and today we'll be visiting the country that gave us photography, roulette and triathlon. Well, of course, it's France. Um, I'm joined here today with Rosie and Athene, who are both incorporating French into the degrees. Um, do you want to say hi quickly? Um, so how were you guys first acquainted with French? What was your first thing you knew about French? Um, so I think we've, we've been there a couple of times like as a family and stuff. I studied French at GCSE and then kind of left it there and kind of decided to take it back as an elective. But I, I, lo- I have a very romantic idea of France in general. So, mm-hmm. yeah. so mine's a bit more. So my uncle on my mum's side, him and all his kids and family um, all live in France. And then on my dad's side, my grandparents were French teachers. So we tended to go quite a lot when we were little. But I, I still have a very romantic idea of France. I think times yeah. led me to, yeah, my year abroad next year will be, yeah, I think a bit of a shock to the system. Where it's just the whole just saying croissants yeah. on the side of the road. But, well, um, we have a French <laughs> Croissants are in originally Austrian. Oh, Austrian. Austrian. Yeah, not actually French. <laughs> what about pain au chocolat? I'm afraid I don't know about pain au chocolat, but I no. assume they sound pretty French. Um, so, Rosie, I think I know you have French family. I was wondering if you could maybe tell us a bit about them, I or do. if you yeah, my, wouldn't mind. So my, he's, I think he's my mum's half-brother, but we just call him, he's just my uncle. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a lot older than my mum, he's about 20 years older, and so all their kids... They've got four kids, and they're not that far off my mum's age, sort of thing. But, um, so they've got four kids. They live in Normandy. Um, they live in a, play, a tiny village that's called Bastogne, near Avranche, um, which is yeah, right near the coast. So it's really pretty. Um, but yeah, he, is, he used to run a building company, and my cousins are kind of all staying in that sort of area. Um, but yeah, no, I, covered, I haven't visited them in so long. I think the last time I saw them, they came over here. But um, it's very nice. I heard that one of them had an interesting name. I think it was Yeah, so well this um my uncle's granddaughter, so one of my cousins is um had a kid and he's married to a French lady called Altinia. And um so they've got two kids and the oldest is called Josh and then they had a baby girl and they called her Swan. And we've been Swan. I think it's quite pretty, but I think it's Obviously everyone's like, oh, it's a bit unusual, but apparently it's like a really popular thing with France. I don't so. think that's so. It's like the French Anna, or sort of, you yeah, know, like think, everyone's called like, Anna here. Yeah, I think it's like quite a new name, but mm-hmm. I think apparently it's very trendy. Trendy, trendy name. Yeah. Swan, Swan, I think her middle name is Alice. So <laughs> is Swan referring to an English swan? I think so. And the thing is, my, my, obviously my cousin is so in English, so he knows Swan. But is it so? It's popular in France, even I though it's. In, I think so. I think even so, though it's in English. Yeah, so Swan. I guess it's maybe. I don't know. I'm trying to think of like a, a French word that people might be called here, but I guess it's probably like the equivalent. Sherry. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Sherry. Um, it's probably the equivalent where like we think it sounds cool in another yeah, language. No, that's true. No, I think so. Um. Well. Moving on. Um. My first ever experience of French music, which I'm kind of trying to incorporate in here a bit um was a concert that my mum took me to actually 
Um, the concert in name was a Chris, one of Christine and the Queen's concerts, um, and it was when I was about 16 or 17, I think. Um, Christine is this amazing sort of LGBT rights activist, um, and they have um, come up with this amazing entourage of fantastic dancers. So I'd really recommend if you ever um, get the chance to go on to YouTube and have a look at some of their songs that they um, have done and all the dances behind them. But their music is also equally interesting. It's kind of pop, um, but like a bit funkier. And um, so this song is Christine and the Queens um, and it is Feel So Good. Should, but I still feel so good. 
enjoyed that song. Um, Chris is the second studio album by the French singer Christine the Queens um, and it was released in 2018 in both English and French versions. So you just heard the um, English version of a song also in Fra French. Um, she also has some songs that really were released on the English album that are just in French. Um, I, I especially enjoy Tilted if you are interested in that. She's very popular in Fran France um, for understandable reasons. Um, as this is still kind of the introduction to this podcast, I thought it was only fitting uh, to discuss the customary kiss on a cheek. Um, so as you will know, when French people tend to meet each other, it's common um, practice for you to sort of kiss them on the cheek. But obviously with the times that we have at the moment um, and the spread of coronavirus, um, MPs in February were sort of urging the French people to disregard this practice. And obviously it's very... Um, Old practice. I think that was very difficult for people. Um, no, I think I think it's really interesting because it, depending on how long we have to change our actions for, mm -hmm. might mean that we have to come up with completely different mm -hmm. sort of characteristics mm -hmm. of a culture. And yeah. so, while now we think of the sort of characteristic French kiss, you know, maybe it will become something of the past. Mm -hmm. I mean, the same way things like hugging, you can't often hug people. It's now mm -hmm. becoming a bit more like, well, no, you can't do yeah. that. I think you mentioned like little things like I think a handshake is going to be yeah. a thing of the past. Yeah. I don't think like, yeah. ideals are done with handshake. I don't yeah. think that's going to be a business man. I don't yeah. think that's going to be a thing anymore. I think Do you think well. the um, elbow touch will catch on? You know how people have been yeah. doing the sort of elbow touch. It's yeah. a bit less physical contact. I don't know. I haven't seen it a lot myself, but then mm -hmm. I haven't been in many. <laughs> I mean, less with the French kiss, but I mean, a handshake often has quite sort of patriarchal connotations, yeah. like people trying to be the sort of stronger one. Mm -hmm. um, it's normally between men, that kind of image. So, mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, not having it. So, do you think it might be a beneficial thing in some ways? It's kind of a bit more equal standings? Or, yeah, I suppose yeah. in the same way that we might miss out on you know, hugging, which is obviously mm -hmm. great for the endorphins, mm -hmm. you also might miss mm -hmm. out on things that potentially mm -hmm. we now have to rethink, and you know, why did we do the handshake? You know? Yeah, mm -hmm. exactly. So you kind of have to reassess things. Apparently French lipstick sales have decreased because people are wearing masks all the time, so they don't have the need for lipsticks. But then I was also wondering, is this a reference to, you know, women are sort of wearing makeup for themselves? Does this contradict this, or is it a sort of version of um, it's impractical to wear lipstick behind a mask like it's going to get smeared on the inside it makes it dirty less hygienic um, no one's going to see it anyway but then you kind of you'd like to think that women are wearing lipstick anyway because it's about how you feel I don't know if this is a reflection on sort of image versus practicality or if it's a reflection on actually women don't use lipstick for themselves but is that that's not a bad thing if women want to impress other people by wearing lipstick. I don't know what you think about. I, I reckon it's probably, I mean, I think as well in, in lockdown, I mean, I, there were very few days, so I wasn't wearing like jogging bottoms and my hair was in a bun. Like, mm -hmm. I was 
yeah, we were not leaving the house. It wasn't really the, the motivation. I wonder if maybe that plays into it as well. I think yeah. during lockdown, people weren't really mm-hmm. going out. I guess as well, maybe people more like to wear makeup when they're maybe going out for a meal or something like that, mm-hmm. which obviously hasn't yeah. been taken. I would say I think most people I know wear makeup, who wear makeup like for themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I guess then it just comes from, I think, laziness. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking from personal experience yeah. comes into it as well. Yeah. Um, it's such a like, Yeah. yeah. yeah but like, for myself, I know that I, I would say I wear makeup for myself and I find that it's just something that makes me feel good inside. But also I would never wear a lipstick underneath a mask because yeah, it no. just seems pointless. But I, but I don't know where that comes from. Because, yeah, I might, like, if I'm going out, I'll wear makeup. Mm-hmm. And so in that way, it kind of is more for other people. But it's also, I want to, like, you know, if I look in a mirror or something or catch my reflection, I'm like, yeah, I'm oh, wearing lipstick or yeah. something. Whereas... So in that way, it's for myself because I want to feel good about how I'm, mm-hmm. like, what I'm looking like. Yeah. And so if I look in the mirror and I'm just wearing a mask, it's like, well, there's no point. Like, it's not doing my lips, you know, like, great, fantastic, I'm wearing it, but it's not, I don't know. It doesn't make, does it, it doesn't um, define your day, I guess. No. It's not like a sort of yeah. changing. And it, yeah, it's about me. It's, it's, while it's not necessarily about how other people see me, I want to See, see myself, and if I can't see it, then it's sort of, well, what's the point? Mm. I mean, I don't That's think really I really wore that, I mean, any makeup <laughs> over lockdown. Me, I guess. So, for this next song, moving on a little bit, um, I'd like you to imagine that you're in um, a French restaurant, maybe in a sort of plaza square. Um, you've got um, your sort of lovely um, Italian, no, Austrian uh, croissant sitting on the table. <laughs> um, and just enjoying this beautiful music. Um, the next song is La Fou. Uh, apologies for my awful pronunciation. Um, and it's by Edith Piaf. <laughs> Quand la foule vient l'arracher dans ton premier bras, 
emporté par la foule qui nous traîne, nous entraîne, nous éloignera de l'autre. Je lutte et je me dépasse. Mais le son de ma voix s'étouffe dans le rire des autres. Et je crie de douleur, de fureur et de rage et je pleure. Et traîné par la foule qui s'élance et qui danse une folle farandole, je suis emporté au loin. Et je crispe mes poings maudissant la foule qui me vole. L'homme qu'elle m'avait donné que je n'ai jamais retrouvé. French uh, cabaret style music. Um, it was about um, it was a song about heartbreak, and it was and it was a sort of ballad of its time. Um, essentially, in this story, um, Edith is being carried through a crowd, um, and she meets this this man as she's being carried.